Good day, everybody, and welcome to the Vittles and Vitals podcast, where we talk about important stuff and how that stuff connects to food, because everything connects to food. I'm Jay Reed. I'm the father. And I'm Jacob Reed, and I'm the son. All right, so welcome to the podcast episode that talks about everybody's favorite middle child of holidays, good old Thanksgiving, that, uh, as Mackenzie Buckner said the other day, it is the one that is outshined by both Halloween and Christmas. So it's going to be a fun time, uh, and let's get into that. So we're we're going to talk a little bit about, we're not going to get into every detail of the history. I have done a lot of reading this week about Thanksgiving, and I have even listened to some other people's podcasts. And uh, I'll tell you one thing I've learned about the internet. Here's a This is just a bonus tip for our bonus information uh, for the listeners, is that when you start looking at things on the internet that are similar subjects, what you're going to find is everybody's copying everybody. I looked up, we'll get to Macy's in a minute, but I looked up some, some facts about the Macy's parade and then I would jump from one site to the other and everybody had exactly the same. I mean, it was even worded the same. It was unashamedly copied. Uh, I think CBS news was the original source and everybody copied from, but anyway, so all this stuff is out there. If you want to know about the the controversial and conflicting history of Thanksgiving, Oof. then that's what Google is for. Oh, yeah. But the one that we look back to, the one that we do pageants about, the one that your kids dress up in pilgrim costumes. Those little funny hats with the belt buckle around the top. Big belt buckles and, you know, the Indian feathers made out of construction paper and all that kind of stuff. And the, the turkeys made with your hand, mm. uh, drawn around your hand. Those kind of, that that's... Uh, the dinner between the pilgrims, or who we call the pilgrims, at Plymouth Rock, mm-hmm. and I'm going to probably botch this, but the Wampanoag Indians. Sounds right to me. Does it work for you? Um, there was a meeting. There was a harvest feast. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the pilgrims arrived around 1620 on the Mayflower. It was rough. 100 people came. 50 people lived over the next year. So they were having this they were thankful for who had survived and mm-hmm. for the feast and the Indians joined them. And that's kind of what we look back to. But if you look back further, there's like, there's a Spanish, uh, back in 1525, they said there was a Spanish one, um, where they had garbanzo beans and salt pork. So I thought, you know, the very earliest Thanksgiving might've been pork and beans. So, you know, if you, <laughs> it's who knows? not just Turkey. Uh, and then there was others in Virginia. And so there's, there was a lot of Thanksgiving feast meetings, uh, gatherings, whatever. Some were very like prayer meetings almost, and some were more, more like we think. But that's not really the thing. But one of the cool things about that is you see a lot of this today, and Jacob will, will, will jump on this too, about Friendsgiving and, and you know not just being about family, even though you know Thanksgiving is the busiest travel day of the year. It is one where a lot of family gets together. Um, what I think is really cool about that one that we look at, even though the Indians, the same Indians and the same settlers were like in a war, Mm -hmm. uh, a few years later, it still brought together two groups of people who were very different. They, their religion was different. Their skin color was different. Lots. I mean, it couldn't be more different really, Mm -hmm. uh, aside from being humans, and yet they were still able to get together and actually play games. They 
They ran races. They had shooting matches. I mean, we may be playing football in the yard, maybe hunting, you know, those kinds of things. There's always that one family at Neil Tullis who have the annual family shootout and they just go out and shoot guns. So, I mean, that's a, that's, we're keeping with the traditions as far as I can tell. (laughs) Right. So we, we've experienced some of this ourselves. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, just kind of talking to my dad about prep about this. I was thinking about, um, specifically, uh, how this holiday is a time for people just to gather together. Like, uh, he said, Friendsgiving, a couple of my friends have had a Friendsgiving group that has 20 something college students jam packed in an apartment building. I'm actually in charge of making the dressing this year. So we're going to see how that one goes. Uh, but they've been doing that for years, but specifically looking at our family and then, uh, the Gwaltney's families that live, uh, in Starpool as well is it always seems that every year without fail that we have people around our Thanksgiving table that are not related to us, uh, specifically with like our family. Um, I've had at least one roommate. Uh, we've had a friend of my mom's come multiple times and who let's say is Iraqi and, um, you know, from a Muslim culture. So, you know, very different. And one year I thought it would be a great idea to, to do a bacon lattice on one of our turkeys and she came to eat with us and I had to kind of keep it in the, in the oven, uh, to, you know, to respect her, uh, wishes there. So, yeah. And then when, when we first went, our family went to the Gwaltney's and you mm-hmm. can talk about more what they do, but you know, to be honest, all of our Thanksgiving celebrations pretty much up till then, well, now I'm thinking that's not even true. What I was going to say <laughs> was that, you know, it pretty much been family, you know, we go to my, our, our grandparents' house or whatever, but, um, guess when we lived overseas, Thanksgiving was all about friends. Mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought about that. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to the food part, but that. When you're overseas, you're you're that is your family. You know, mm-hmm. we called each other aunt and uncle and brother and sister. So we had a lot of Thanksgivings that were just um, that was all friends. Somebody's family might have come to visit, but pretty much we were gathering together as a group of friends. And then we've had our own guests uh, this year. We're going to have a uh, friend of Jacob's with us, a good good friend, a, a good friend, good female friend, a good a good female friend to say the least. But I mean, even. Going back early in our conversation, like the Galtney family, they have, I think every year they have multiple students from the chemistry department and then a lot. Usually from other countries. Usually from other countries and then also roommates, friends of Caleb, who's a good friend of mine as well. Um, and and it, we went one time we, as a whole family. We went as one time as a whole family and they, they're great. It's a great Thanksgiving time, uh, really enjoyable. You get to have conversations with people you've never met. And I think as a collective, it seems that most of America kind of falls in this uh, this thing where, you know, you just invite people to join you in a meal. Um, it's actually one of the levels of friendship. This is a small tangent, but the third level of a friendship is sharing a meal together. Hmm. So it, I, I don't know all five, but I know that's the third one. But that is kind of a middle ground between being not friends at all to incredibly deep friends. So sharing a meal is a great way to kind of hop into a deeper friendship okay. than compared before. Well, of course, I believe that. I mean, I, I, that's that's why <laughs> that's part of the reason why we're here talking about food later. One tradition that we love as a family, and I know every other American does, or at least 50 million of our closest and dearest friends, is watching the Macy's Day Parade. And that is... 
I didn't even realize the amount of money and time and volunteers that really dove into that. I mean, just hearing that 50 million people turn on, turn on, and from what I can tell, a lot of them watch it all the way through because it's always like, oh, this. I used to. Yeah, but I saw that the Red Power Rangers and Ronald McDonald were about to make their 25th anniversary as mm-hmm. balloons, and there's performances and dancing and everybody's bad lip singing to whatever famous song they have. <laughs> right, that's fun. You know, the music will start in three seconds later, like, oh, I'm supposed to sing. Yeah, that's become one of my favorite parts. When I was your age or a little bit younger, and I was very involved in high school band and, and Al State band, a lot of my friends would end up being in with, at the time was the McDonald's band, which was kind of a nationwide uh, all-star band. And I would always have a few friends in there, so I'd watch for the McDonald's band so I could watch for my, my buddies and uh, that sort of thing. And I guess when we when we go back to, uh, just to backtrack just briefly, because the word of this podcast is vitals. Why is this important? And I think we've talked a little bit about why it's important because it brings people together. It's a unifying holiday. And the Macy's thing, in previous episodes, we've kind of talked about why it's important. Uh, Halloween and Harry Potter and, and other things because of the money that is spent. And I don't want to say that something's important just because of the money. But the Macy's is crazy. The estimated annual cost of the parade is between $11.6 million and $13.4 million. That's nuts. It's a whole lot of money. That's a whole lot of money. And here's the here's kind of how it breaks down. I'm not going to get into big details because when I first read this, I thought, are they spending that much money every year? They actually spend somewhere between 2.7 and 4.5 million. That's what they spend every year. The rest of it, the the 8.9 million or thereabouts, uh, somewhere between 10 and 12, that's what they have on hand already. So like the balloons that are already made, the floats that are already made, the costumes, $2 million worth of costumes mm-hmm. that are already made. A lot of that's there. They have a, an old Tootsie Roll factory where they keep everything. Spend about a half million dollars on helium. And of course, people get, you know, the balloons get sponsored. There's money coming in too. But it's it's just nuts how much is spent on the parade. And I was thinking um, the biggest thing that, that surprised me was the property taxes. It's something like, Almost $200,000 a year property taxes just on, on the building where everything is kept. Mm-hmm. And that's... What really uh, surprised me was how much a balloon cost. Because it was something around the... I think it's $190,000 to design a new balloon. Uh-huh. And that's why they have balloons that have been there for 25 years or something like that. Because like, once you build one, you just kind of have it there. And as long as you don't pop that thing, you're good. <laughs> right. But then like companies will pay for a balloon and then they'll pay for a couple years after that because it's only ninety thousand dollars a year to continue with that balloon once it's right. built so you know i think that's a pretty good deal taking a hundred thousand dollars off and getting to reuse a balloon so yeah it's, it's, it's crazy you know that that's like i said we used to watch it uh start to finish looking for friends whatever now i just kind of wander in and out and you know with the dvr you can you can record it and you can rewind it or whatever you can stop it if you really want to see that mm-hmm. friend that's in such and such a band or whatever so the other thing though that i think that i wanted to bring out as far as the importance of it is the word thanksgiving um you could also say gratitude so no matter what you know if you're friends if you're with friends if you're with family if you know you want to you know be 
ornery about, you know, the history of it and, oh, that wasn't so good. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't as, as cool as it we make it out to be, whatever you're, you know, we don't want to get into that too much, but it's still a day to stop and be thankful. And that's kind of where it started. Abraham Lincoln declared the first one uh, in the middle of the Civil War, as far as a nationwide. It, it kind of got left to the states later, and it eventually ended up being, um, I think, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. They had a national holiday. He decided to move it up. Uh, it was the fourth Thursday in November, and then he's, he decided when you're going to make it the third Thursday in November to increase the amount of Christmas shopping time in the middle of the Depression, which, you know, I understand what he was doing, but uh, that didn't go over very well. So so eventually it became, you know, a nationwide holiday, um, but it's relatively new when it comes to that. I mean, it, it was kind of left to the states. It was kind of bounced back around. Um, but back to the gratitude. Gratitude is actually something that uh, makes a difference in our life, or it can. Uh, it's You've had a rough week, I understand. Yeah. No, um, just specifically, like for me personally, um, Thanksgiving falls at a really cool time. Uh, so I'm a fifth-year senior. I have 30 hours left, a.k.a. when I finish this, I have 15 more, graduate in May. And at the time of this recording, we have a week and a half till Thanksgiving, and I think between now and then, I have three projects or two projects due, two lab reports due, and a presentation due. Just in that week and a half, and it's just easy peasy. Yeah, easy peasy. But it's just you know, it feels overwhelming and stuff, and it's easy to not be thankful for the things that I have. You know, getting the opportunity to go to school and still getting to do fun things like a podcast or hang out with friends and stuff like that. I think it's a really opportune time, you know. Once all this stuff is done, I can like look back and say like, "Wow, like I've gotten through this," mm-hmm. and I can be thankful for the three days off to hang out with my family and enjoy a turkey. Right, and this has been a—I mean, just today when I got home, I was in a kind of a lousy mood because it was just been a—it had been a pretty terrible day at work. And even though the earlier this week has not been so busy at work per se, but it's just been busy. I mean, I was busy all day Saturday. I was busy even part of Sunday. Um, Monday was busy. Things I enjoy, but just busy. And, and sometimes you're just so busy, you don't have to stop. You don't have time or don't make time. It's probably the real thing mm-hmm. to stop and be thankful. But um, gratitude, study after study. And again, you can Google the studies. But here's just some quick facts about gratitude. Gratitude reduces stress. And what it does is kind of re- redirects our attention from the things that are difficult and stressful to the things that we enjoy. Uh, it sustains relationships. It improves our health. And here's the thing. It helps us sleep better. It controls our blood pressure. Or it can help control our blood pressure. It can reduce physical complaints. I had a, uh, a guy that I work with named Roy. So, Roy, I don't know if you listen to this, but uh, let's hope so. But I wanted to give him a shout-out because we worked together for several years off and on. And one of the things I noticed that he would do at the end of the day as our techs were leaving or clerks or whoever we were working with, he would say, he would always say thank you to the folks that he had worked with that day. And I thought, you know, he didn't have to do that. They're getting paid. We're getting paid. He didn't really have to thank us for showing up, but he did. And that made a huge difference to me. And I don't do it every day. I'm not that, uh, I'm not that thoughtful, (laughs) but I do think about it. And I've tried to, to emulate that in my own, um, career and I'm I'll just give a shout out to michaelhyatt.com that's where I picked up a lot of these these uh, facts about stress but here's a this this one really got me it says stress impacts the gut 
decreases activity levels and can lead to irritable bowel syndrome. So there's a happy Thanksgiving fact. Mm. Um, and just study after study after study, and then it goes back to sleep. Um, you know, anything that improves sleep improves us. Gratitude improves improves sleep duration and quality. It rewires your brain. It's kind of like you know the neurons that fire uh, as you as you're thankful. That certain neurons that fire, and it actually kind of rewires your brain to a positive, um, you know, more positive wiring. I guess um, one of the things they suggest, and I haven't tried this, but one night, okay. But some people suggest a gratitude journal where you actually, before you go to bed, you write down like five things you're thankful for that day. And no matter how, no matter how bad the day is, you can think of five things yeah. that you're thankful for. And not only does it help you kind of get into a more positive uh, state before you sleep, um, well, I mean, that's enough, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it just makes that whole... If I, if I can practice gratitude, relieve stress, sleep better than, you know... Even one day is worth it to stop and do that. But Thanksgiving doesn't need to just be one day. Mm-hmm. So this whole, I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but the attitude of gratitude and that kind of practice really should uh, become more a part of our daily life. Yeah. So before we get uh, off on the subject and more into the food, uh, I th- honestly think um, one of the st- studies you sent me was about you know the ties between materialism and gratitude. You know, people who are more thankful for things are less materialistic. And, you, I mean, you can look at our society today, and we're all very materialistic and very self-centered. And honestly, to me, it seems like, you know, if we just learn the art of saying thank you again um, in the big things and the little things, I think that could really start taking that focus off of us and more to the world around us. And I feel like that could really be um, a, a method for change in our world. Um, beyond yeah. just the Twitter activism <laughs> and stuff like that. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe we should start trying to say thank you more. Absolutely. Well, I am thankful for the food part, too. You know, oh, you, of course. You, it, it is, it's Thanksgiving, and we don't want to veer from that. But, you know, it's gotten to where people call it Turkey Day. Ah. And turkey um, is kind of a key part. Should we get into the stats now, or you want to save that for... Let's save that for... Save that for the last part. But um, turkey to me... Well, I'm just going to say, there's a lot of different ways to do turkey. Mm -hmm. You can just roast it in the oven. You can smoke it. You can deep fry it. I really think the deep frying part is cool, but I'm not going to invest in a fryer. For once a year. On that oil, yeah. So our our preferred method, it has been for many years, is, is smoked. Mm-hmm. I have a smoker. My dad had a smoker. When we first got the smoker, that was it. It was just smoked turkey from then on. I love a good smoked turkey. And I'm also a fan of brining. I know some people don't like brining, but I've had great success with the moisture and, you know, keeping it from getting dry by brining mm-hmm. it and smoking it. So that is my preferred. Well, brining it and doing whatever, whether you're going to be in the yeah. in the uh, smoker or the oven. Um, I prefer the the brine but turkey was not always easy to find for us Mm -hmm. when jacob was younger we lived in yemen for 10 years and let me just say that okay we had chickens we had chickens everywhere but the chickens were imported from france so you know they were plentiful but they were not local everything's local Mm -hmm. right now 
But when it came to turkey, our first few years, it basically we were just out of luck. There were there were no turkeys to be found, and we would just you know use chicken instead. And then I'd say about halfway through our term there, through our time, turkeys used to show up kind of in very small flocks. <laughs> and but they were very very expensive. So what we would do is our our friends, our friends giving group would would chip in so that we could buy a turkey and then we would buy a bunch of chickens and you know mm-hmm. we basically get full on the chicken and then supplement it with a little we'd bit have of like everybody have a couple of bites of turkey just to say I had turkey on Thanksgiving and I think that over time the the folks who own the grocery stores realized you know these these Americans want turkey mm-hmm. and and they would get some more but they were imported still and sometimes they would just be these frozen blocks that looked like they'd been frozen and unfrozen and refrozen who knows how many times mm. between France and, and Yemen. <laughs> but uh, but we did have it. We did definitely have say it. I do not remember all of this, but I'm not surprised at all by the story. So um, you can't have turkey without the sides. And everybody's got their own favorite side. You know, there's a million recipes for the exact same thing. Uh, but I feel like the people want to know, what is your favorite turkey side dish well when i'm there's different levels of favors here so i'm going to talk about one combination i'm not a big dressing guy i like dressing <gasps> and and i like dressing i'm not you know the stuffing is not something that we grew That's up dangerous eating. i don't, I don't well, I it's don't. not as dangerous as you think but if you do it right but but we've been always been a dressing family but I'm, i've never been nuts about it and i think it's because it has too much celery in it but that's a whole nother episode um, but what I do like, what I've learned to like is a bite of turkey with a bite of dressing, some giblet gravy on it, oh, giblet gravy, and a little slice of the cranberry jelly. It has to be the cranberry jelly sauce. The one that comes in the can. In the can. I don't like this fancy stuff that actually uses real cranberries that you can still get the, the hulls or whatever. I don't, I don't want that. I want the jelly from the can. I want it to be round. When it and comes sliced. out, it's got the little ribs still it on goes, it from the can. When it comes out of the can, or I, I can't even, you know, you know what I'm talking about. That was really appropriate. I, I'm getting there. I should have practiced that a little bit more. But yeah, I'd say that's that's like the perfect Thanksgiving bite. Um, that's a but, classic Thanksgiving bite, too. That's yeah. the one you always see they try to replicate in a million different ways. Right, sandwiches and everything. But when it comes to sides, other than that, I'm, I'm not too picky. I'm the guy that wants to tweak it. You know, some people are like, oh, no, the I listened to a podcast today. They're talking about the green bean casserole. And, you know, they say people try to tweak it by using different kind of green beans, green beans, green beans or fresh green beans or whatever. And the other host or hostess was saying, no, it's got to be the classics. Got to be mm-hmm. the Campbell's soup, the French's onions, this and that. And, you know, I, I don't care. I like them both. So I'm, I'm the guy that will tweak it. You know, maybe I'll have Brussels sprouts instead of green beans. Um, we have a corn casserole that I'm going to talk about later. That's pretty much classic. The sweet potatoes. I like sweet potatoes. I'm not, I don't like pecans on top of them. And a lot mm-hmm. of people do. But I like a nice brown, crusty brown sugar, oats, maybe some kind of crumble topping on top. I just don't like the pecans. Marshmallows, eh. I always like to have the argument between people when it's like, 
they're like, I love sweet potato casserole. And it's like, do you like the marshmallows? Or do you like the the brown sugar crusted? And people get, people will throw hands about that one. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. I'm not nuts about either one of them. I just, I'll be just fine having a baked sweet potato. Oh, so good. So good. Uh, so me personally, I am on the opposite end of you. Dressing is one of my favorite parts wow. about Thanksgiving. I look forward to Grand's dressing every year. That's why I... It's really Granny's dressing. Well, see, even more history than that. But that is part of the reason why I fight so hard for Christmas to start the day after Thanksgiving. Because I have always associated the Thanksgiving with the first day that I get dressing. Really? Yes. It's... I don't know where this came from, but I, I prepare myself for that first bite of dressing for a couple weeks in advance. I'm I'm already ready. <laughs> so for, you're you're starting today. We're two weeks away today. I know. I am I am prepared for this dressing. Uh, but that's a really good one. And then um, another one, personal favorite of mine, that we sometimes have at Thanksgiving, sometimes don't. We usually have it at most holidays. But it's just the the green bean roll ups. You know, you have oh, yeah. your green beans and you wrap them in bacon and you put a little. Is it dirk sauce? Turkey sauce. Turkey sauce. It's a mayonnaise mustardy. Yep. sauce you just dab a little on it we had chick-fil-a sauce on them one year which was a really good year they <laughs> they they tasted great in my opinion but that's uh that would probably be a a mid-range yeah really that's a family one. tradition and it's still in the green bean family actually i think we've had both before because this year this year we're going to have the four of us mm-hmm. plus your friend Lindsay, and we're going to have my parents and we're going to have uh, of course, uh, isn't, Lauren. Uh, isn't your brother and his family? My coming? brother and his family, and your other grandmother. I did not know about Nanny, our other grandmother. Nanny's going to be here, so I don't know how much that adds up to, but that's at least see eight, ten, mm-hmm. eleven, twelve, twelve, twelve of us at Thanksgiving. We'll have to have a kids' table this time because I don't think we have a table that will hold twelve. Wow, I haven't had one of those in years. I think I may sit at the kids' table because sometimes the chairs at the adult table are. So, um, one thing, just back to the turkey, um, I'm definitely a dark meat kind of guy. I'm not, I mean, I'll eat the white meat, it's good, if it's, if it's, but I'm dark meat. But I don't like the legs, it's, which is funny, because, you know, you, people sell- That's a sell, classic thing. I know, people sell turkey legs at Disney World and all these places. Every Renaissance Fair ever. Right, but there's there's those little tendons mm. that come down on a turkey leg. They're not there on a, on a chicken leg. Mm-hmm. I can get down on some chicken legs, but the turkey leg, all those things just get in my way. So I like a thigh. You know, I get the thigh, little pieces of back meat and stuff like that. But now you can you can keep your turkey legs. And now to our lightning round of turkey facts. Did you know that a turkey is 30% dark meat and 70% white meat? I did not until the other day when I <laughs> read these facts. <laughs> did you know that... I don't have the facts in front of me, and I. <laughs> okay. Why don't you tell us another fact, Jacob? <laughs> Did you know that almost four million? Oh wait, no, I I don't have enough turkey facts memorized for this. I thought you had them printed out. Here we are. I do. Do you know what the percentage of Americans that eat turkey on Thanksgiving? What are they? Eighty-eight percent. That is a whole lot of people. I thought that was a little bit high because I, you know, people kind of diss on turkey sometimes but that was pretty that's pretty high i think we may actually have some brisket along with our turkey just Mm. to kind of keep things interesting so good did you know that 46 million turkeys are eaten each year at thanksgiving 22 million at christmas 
and 19 at Easter, which is a little bit strange to me. I thought that was very odd because if people are eating 19 million turkeys on Easter and only 22 at Christmas, that means it's pretty close to the same. Very, very close. So that's that's crazy. Uh, but definitely the most are eaten at Thanksgiving. Uh, well, and, and then, of course, the fact that it, I think most of us, everybody knows is that Ben Franklin wanted the turkey to be the national bird, but he lost out to the bald eagle, and I think that's we're all very thankful for that. Amen to that. So just to kind of close the food section out, I wanted to say that kind of to tie this all back to the middle child thing, the fact that Thanksgiving kind of gets squeezed out, I think maybe I know the reason. Why is that? Reese's doesn't make anything for Thanksgiving. Ah, we need a Reese's turkey. We need a Reese's turkey or a pilgrim shoe or something like that. (laughs) Reese's, if you're listening, please, we need it. I think it would save Thanksgiving. Oh, it definitely would. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the drum beats that you know and love. Dad, what is your flavor for this week? My favorite for the week, and I'm glad that we're dropping this before Thanksgiving so people have time to go shopping. One of our biggest family traditions of the past, let's say, 20 years has been Dawn's Corn Casserole. Our friend Dawn Branton here in town introduced us to this years ago. And the thing is, if you look in recipes for corn casserole or corn pudding and this kind of thing, you'll find all kinds of variations of this. And uh, But we give credit to Dawn because she's the one that shared it with us. So here's the quick recipe. You need one box of Jiffy corn muffin mix, mm. one can of regular corn, Amen. one can of cream corn, Hallelujah. one stick of butter, and one 16-ounce uh, little tub of sour cream. Hey, everybody. It is your friendly editor here. Unfortunately, Jay Reed is not infallible and has made a mistake. Contrary to popular belief, he's not perfect. But just letting y'all know that it is actually 8 ounces of sour cream, not 16. Unless you're really into that extra little bit of sour cream. Yet again, this is only 8 ounces, not 16 ounces. And now, back to the recipe. So what you do, you preheat your oven to anywhere between 350 and 400. And if you've got something else going, you know, there's some flexibility in your temperature. You get a casserole or some kind of corningware dish or whatever. Uh, melt the butter, and then you take your sour cream and mix it all together so that it's uh, homogeneous. Ooh. All right. And then you add your Jiffy Corn Muffin Mix and mix that all together till it's fully mixed. And then add your corn and bake it for about an hour. And you can play with it. You can add meat to it. You can add cheese to it, whatever. But I would recommend just start with it as it is. See how it goes. It's always a crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. It always disappears. It's great for leftovers. So the Jiffy Corn Muffin Mix Corn Casserole is my favorite. And I would say maybe it's my favorite side dish as well. It is definitely a classic side dish in our household for sure. Uh, mine is not food related this week. Uh, my favorite uh, is a book by uh, Colson Whitehead. Uh, and it's called The Nickel Boys. So I actually heard about this book through a different podcast. It's the Popcast. Um, they do something very similar to this called Their Lights. Uh, and they green-lighted this book. Um, and it takes place in Jim Crow era Florida. Um, it's about two black ga- kids who are sent to a reformed school, a reformatory school. And they um, it's basically their stories of trying to survive. Uh, it is... 
as Jim Crow history is, it's a it's a little bit of a rougher book. So uh, preferably a little bit older. Um, late high school, early college is probably a good time to read it or, or older. Um, but I, from the second I picked that book up, I was very uh, drawn in. It was super well written. Uh, the guy's won a Pulitzer Prize before, so he's an incredible author. Um, and it's definitely a good book to read um, just to kind of get a feel. Because even though it is a, a historical fiction, it is based off an actual school in Florida um, that okay, didn't know there that. was a, they found a secret grave site. Hmm. started trying to figure out the stories of these boys' bodies that they found, and they kind of dive into that the book into the book as well. Oh wow! Um, so it's a heavy book, but an incredibly good book, and one that I highly recommend. Everybody should read. All right, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'd love it if you give us a five star rating on whatever podcast platform you found this podcast. And of course, you can find us on the worldwide interweb at Vittle Vital Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and Vittles and Vitals Podcast on Facebook. And remember, if it's vital, look for the Vittles. Hey everybody, it is your friendly editor here. Unfortunately, Jay Reed is not infallible and has made a mistake. Contrary to popular belief, he's not perfect. But, just letting y'all know that it is actually 8 ounces of sour cream, not 16. Unless you're really into that extra little bit of sour cream. Yet again, this is only 8 ounces, not 16 ounces. And now, back to the recipe.